Stefan Molyneux of FreedomainRadio.com is joining us. And he's here to break down the situation, what we're facing, the different attack plans. Uh, but first off, I am now officially euphoric. I mean, uh, tell it. Uh, I mean, in your expert view, what have we seen? The facade completely dropped, Operation Toto complete, or or how much of the battle have we won? I mean, who are the winners? Who are the losers? Well, it's uh, first of all, I just wanted to say uh, congratulations to you, Alex, to the entire Infowars team, to Paul Joseph Watson and others. World War Three canceled on account of Infowars, and that is a pretty good thing. You know, when we talked earlier this year, I said this was the year I felt my whole life had prepared me for, for this kind of combat, for this kind of battle. And maybe you feel the same way, but I just really wanted to extend heartfelt admiration and congratulations for the role that you have played personally and through your organization and through your affiliates in saving Western civilization. Let's take a bow, shall we? Because we have done some great work this year. Well, my friend, congratulations to you as well. I mean, clearly they wanted to start World War III, but as Putin said in his congratulations last Wednesday, we know this will not be easy. We should probably talk about why some of the forces in our government want this, but uh, you've got so many great points. Where should we start first? Well, I think the first thing we want to remember, Alex, is that the media has not changed. The media has learned nothing. The media will, will not do any U-turns. They will not uh, process anything about how wrong they were, about how misleading they were, about how manipulative they were. And therefore, every time you see Trump in contact with the mainstream media, view it as a kind of psyop. View it as a way to depress you. View it as a way to alienate you from your candidate. View, you, view, uh, view it as a way to set you against Donald Trump. Like I sat down and watched gritted my teeth, put on my crash helmet and, and watched the 60 Minutes interview. And it was just a whole series of brain dead gotcha questions. Do you disavow the violence being committed in your name? It's like, how do we even know this could all be false flag stuff? I mean, Lord knows it's been that way in the past. And a lot of these supposed hate crimes have been revealed as hoaxes. Or, and, and so do you disavow this? Are you going to go back on your promises? As well, the media, first of all, they said he didn't have any policy platforms. He didn't have any policies. And now they're saying, are you going to repudiate them? And this is all nonsense. It's designed to cause people who supported Trump to freak out, to second guess him, to start arm check. That's right. And for a year, Stefan, they said he didn't have any policies. They were always there on the site. We covered it. We read it. And then they say, oh, you're not going to deport everybody now. Like you said, and he goes, I never said that. I said, if you're a felon and we catch you doing something, you're going to be deported. And everybody else here illegally will have to have a process to go out and then come back in if they're not criminals, which ought to actually concern some folks. I think we have too much immigration. I was saying he's more liberal than a lot of Republicans, but he actually wants a system so they're not underground, undocumented, permanent underclass that the Democrats basically milk and control. Then they go on and say, so, so here's what they claim, he said. Then he doesn't do what they claim. He, he does what he says he would do, and they say it's a lie. Well, here's the thing. I mean, if you know anything about Donald Trump, he's not that enigmatic. You just read the art of the deal, read some of the other books that he's and hear what he said. He doesn't like to box himself in by jumping to conclusions. And that's a great gotcha game, because at this point, you know, he's not the president yet. It's still months away. So they're going to say, well, how are you going to deal with this and how are you going to deal with that? Now, events could change. Information could change. And of course, he's privy to a lot of information now that he wasn't privy to just uh, last week. I mean, he's obviously had his security briefings. He's up to speed on things. I guess he's got the same amount of information 
information that most of the foreign governments who seem to have gone fishing through Hillary Clinton's server now have. So it's nice to have him up to speed with some of the other governments that know all of the stuff about American security. But he's not president yet. He's not going to box himself in. He's always said, I don't like people who reveal all their plans ahead of time because it gives your enemies time to organize. It gives them a sense of where you're going. So the fact that he's hedging his bets, that he's not coming to conclusions, is entirely in line with everything he said throughout his entire campaign and his entire career. What do you think of the conciliatory tone he's been striking? It's been met, as you said, with hissing hatred from the media who seems to have only intensified what got them to this totally discredited position. Well, that's a great question, and I'm ambivalent about it. So I'll just give you sort of the very briefly the two sides of the argument. Number one is I'm a theoretician, like I'm a moral philosopher, and so I get to deal with perfection. I get to deal with abstracts and ideals. When you get into politics, it's been called for many centuries the art of the possible. You have to make compromises. Even if you've got the House uh, and even if you've got the Senate, they still have enough uh, in, in the Dems, still have enough in the Senate to do a filibuster. So you have to make compromises. You have to make compromises with the existing. Uh, rhino structure. And so I can sit here armchair quarterback and cry purity until the day I die. But the reality is I'm not actually out there trying to achieve legislative changes in politics, which is a unpleasant and messy thing, as uh, I think it was Bismarck in the 19th century in Germany who said there are two things the public should never, ever see being made. Number one, sausages. Number two, laws. It's a messy, difficult business. So, um, you know, the compromises, I don't know the degree to which they're necessary. He's had a chance to study this for a long time. He's got access to information. I'll never have a hold of. And he has to know where his compromises are. But the man's had a multi-decade career of getting incredible things done, of picking the right team, of executing, of delivering. At some point, hasn't the person, doesn't the person have enough credibility that you're just going to trust what they're going to do until you see something wildly egregious? And I certainly haven't seen anything like that yet. Well, I was about to say uh, there were there were French uh, governors and, and, and you know, like Louis XIV was one point, Kit Daniels was pointing, I do an article on it right now. There were Chinese emperors. I mean, there's one form of governing where you actually take your enemies and you stick them in positions of power to basically fight with each other now, but you divide up that camp. Uh, quite frankly, somebody else did that. His name was Adolf Hitler. I'm not saying that's a very good way to govern. I know it works sometimes. And then you can, uh, at an executive level, control what they're doing. Obviously, Rens Priebus knows how to basically unlock all the doors. He knows the players. He knows how to get stuff done. He's such a backstabber, I don't trust him. The fact that Stephen Bannon is in charge of him uh, as the main presidential advisor, kind of putting out what the policy will be with Trump and then telling Priebus to follow it, I mean, I think that's good. But Priebus is such a butt boy, to use a, a, you know, a vernacular, of Paul Ryan, who is the biggest snake in Washington, other than maybe Harry Reid, uh, doesn't look good. But look, I'm going to give Trump the benefit of the doubt uh, he has pledged, though, that obviously the president doesn't prosecute, but that they would get out of the way with an attorney general for justice to be done. Now, I talked to him about that on Friday. That's private. I'm going to leave that at that. But he said the 60 Minutes piece that, look, I want to focus on making the country successful. I want to move forward. I get not opening old wounds. But at the same time, he's got to do what he's got to do. I mean, I think the biggest litmus test for this, uh, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, he's got to appoint really good constitutional judges. Uh, not just obviously the Supreme Court, but other federal uh, uh, appointees. And we're going to have those popping up in just a few months. He'll be in in 66 days. And there's a bunch of resets, appointments, stuff that are just waiting that have been held up. That'll be the first big litmus, judges. Uh, pushing tax cuts, uh, pushing uh, sovereignty, defense of the border, uh, all this free welfare for illegals and stuff has got to be curtailed. Uh, and then also, it really is a good attorney general uh, that uh, goes after 
uh, the Clintons and the whole Soros crime network because they're never going to stop coming after Trump. Look what they're doing right now uh, until he does that. So uh, then, then going after them also puts them on the defense instead of them always trying to shut down the beachhead we have to restore uh, the Western world. Well, of course, when you're looking at a magician and he is kind of a master wizard of uh, organization, you don't look at the hand that has the dove in it. You look at the other hand because that's where the magic is going on. So for me, uh, bringing Rents in, OK, so he, he's got Bannon to countervail that and so on. And he needs all of the allegiances and alliances and knowledge of working with the rhinos that Rents is going to bring. But what it does, which I don't think people are commenting on enough, is it opens up who's going to be head of the RNC. Now, of course, if Trump is going to have some say, I assume he will, in who gets to be head of the RNC, well, I would bring Rents closer and then I would appoint somebody who would be uh, more along my particular ideological bent as head of the RNC. And that's to me a beautiful thing. You've got this guy in, he's going to bring all his loyalties, but you get to appoint someone else more in line with your thinking as head of the uh, RNC. And uh, I think that's a wonderful approach. So and, keep uh, your friends close and your enemies closer. Right, right. And so I think that uh, we, we, we have to remember that he's done some fantastic things long before he's even gotten into power. I mean, Canada and Mexico are, are opening up renegotiations with NAFTA. Thank heaven the Rust Belt might resurrect itself and come back like a phoenix from the ashes of bad trade deals. Russia's interested in normalizing relationships. The head of Syria wants to work with him. Uh, with Russia in Syria and, and in other places in the Middle East, you're going to have a much more effective ally against ISIS, which is what uh, Trump has wanted to do. I mean, the man has uh, been uh, president-elect for a couple of days and already the world is settled settling into a more rational pattern no you're right i mean it's a new day i saw you kind of sing part of that song on your own show it's a new world for me uh, it certainly is beautiful and that's why the establishment is so upset about trump is because from day one he's calling the shots i happen to know for a fact from people that are close to him he is working 20 i actually worry about him at 70 he's such a such a trojan such a herculean 20 hours a day when I talk to him, I'm not name dropping, it just shows what he does on Friday for, I mean, a lengthy conversation, less than 10 minutes, but it was almost 10 minutes long. He, it was a real conversation. He wasn't just patting me on the back. He had real questions. I had real comments. I had real things I was saying. And, he, and I said, you know, I said, sir, you're so busy, you probably have to go. And you go, yeah, I am pretty busy. He started telling me, you're the 61st call I'm making today to thank <laughs> folks, but I'm also getting all these other calls from kings and queens and world leaders. And you know what? It's so crazy. All of a sudden, now that I'm in, I'm the best guy in the world. Uh, and so that is the good news. A lot of them that were saying he was the worst person in the world, they're saying he's great now. The problem is their surrogates that we know are financed by him are still attacking. And so I said, look, you can't trust these people. Please press the attack because it's what you said you'd do. Plus, you, you know, they're never going to stop. And I'm not going to tell people what he said to that, but it was quite interesting. Well, of course, when you win the lottery, everyone's your friend. <laughs> what yeah. you care about are the people who chipped in for your ticket ahead of time. So after you have become the president-elect, of course, everybody's going to want to come in and, you know, well, I may have said some things, but hey, we're sorry and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, this question around what's going to happen with the Clintons. Well, of course, if people uh, were, were asking him this question and Leslie Stahl did, they ask him the question, what are you going to do with the Clintons? That's a total gotcha question. It's not up to the president to pursue the Clintons. It's up to the president to Put someone in charge of the DOJ who's not going to derail. So he properly demurred. He properly just sidestepped. Let the grand jury decide. So, so he properly demurred. 
Yeah, it's not his. It would be a, a dictator's job would be to go after a political opponent. And he doesn't want to seem to be gunning for a political opponent because that's third world dictator style stuff. What he's going to do is he's going to appoint a competent attorney general, someone who's going to pursue that. It's going to go through the FBI's investigation to a grand jury with subpoena powers, with uh, search powers and so on. And maybe he's had a look at these 650,000 emails that were taken off um, the uh, Uma Aberdeen and Anthony Weiner's computer. Maybe he's had a look at those and all the horrifying things that some people have uh, talked about as being on those. Maybe that's enough. Maybe the FBI shared information with him that it's an open and shut case on the Clinton Foundation and he doesn't need to do anything more. So just let the man do his job, and he, which he is not even. No, injured. I totally agree. They're, the only successful attack they can have 66 days out from him being inaugurated It'll still take a few months for him to actually get going once that happens. We'll know in about four months whether Trump's for real or not, folks, is to change the subject. And their new attack bots, their new talking points in media is he's going to betray you. He doesn't know what he's doing. We're all in this great danger. That's what Dave Chappelle said. He goes, what do you mean? We just had our first black president. You know, everything's, I guess, okay. Let's give Trump a shot. This idea that, talk about elitism, that because he's a rich billionaire that built his own business, he's somehow incompetent. Thank God we've got somebody that isn't just a lawyer in there for the first time. Well, isn't it beautiful that after the mainstream media plays the race card and plays the gender card and plays the gay card, America just turns around and says, boom, Trump we're card. playing the Trump card and we take the house. <laughs> we just finished each other's sentence. I love how we're synced up. Um, Matt was listening, uh, one of my producers to you all, he was biking downtown this weekend They've taken over the capital, the communist, literally red flags everywhere. And he described to me a point you were making. Matt, I, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. Pop in and repeat what Molyneux said so he can repeat it here. The, uh, the timing was great. I was actually biking past the Capitol building here in Austin, Texas. And uh, there were a bunch of people holding up signs. And it was at that point in time, um, it, it was an episode, uh, maybe a Thursday or Friday show. Your free domain radio, and uh, you had made the point. You said, you know, people on the left, these social justice weaklings, uh, you know, are so upset because reality is not conforming with their fantasies. And I thought that was an excellent point. It it just happened to be at at such the right time. I wanted to put it on a loudspeaker, but um, you know, you gotta you gotta respect these people people's free speech. No, I, I think, do, Matt. Matt, that's a great point. But I mean, I mean, to Stefan, th th this is my question. How do you reach out to these people? Because now when I go in a restaurant or whatever, and I start seeing somebody flip out on me or a clerk, I go, oh, my God, you're upset about Trump. And they go, yes, I am, and start crying. I mean, I had a woman not want to serve me and really get rude to me uh, when I was at a liquor store buying two bottles of wine Friday, and she was an anti-Trump person and knew who I was. And so I'm so well-known now. It's for the first time actually gotten to me how pissed they are. And I had a Hispanic guy bow up to me in the gas station, a black guy do it outside the gas station. And I had to turn around and just go, okay, I mean, you're ready to go. Let's go. And, and there's racial attacks happening everywhere. I mean, this is really scary, Stefan. Well, look, I mean, I go back to Princess Diana uh, when, when she died. When Princess Diana died, a lot of people in England, and particularly the women, went through this extraordinary outpouring of grief and, and horror and sadness and, and mourning and all of that. 
And then they all felt a lot better afterwards and they all got a lot happier. Mental health declined. You know, when fantasies get destroyed, of course, it's painful. Uh, fantasy is a drug. Like if, you, if you're going to go off heroin, if you've been on it for 20 years, you're going to go through withdrawals. It's not the doctor's fault. It's the heroine's fault. And it's the dealer's fault, i.e. the media. If you're but, but the Democrats the were worse under Hillary. Blacks had double unemployment under under Obama. I mean, don't they understand uh, that, that Trump is not out to screw them? Well, they don't. Uh, and it is just a matter of growing up. When it comes to socialism and communism, we all start off that way. I mean, we don't pay rent to our parents when we're five years old. We have this big, giant structure that takes care of us, provides us food and shelter and organizes our life for us. And at some point, you have to break out of that dependent mode and you have to be your own person. You have to individuate. You have to become who you are and you have to become an adult. You know, when you become an adult, you put away childish things like dependence on authority to provide you with your resources and your reason for being. So it's just a transition. Trump is going to bring about more of the free market, less government dependence. So people are going to have to exactly. It's the end of childhood. It's the end of childhood yeah. that the left tries to put us into in this straitjacket of, of, of mental illness conformity that is pure authoritarianism. We'll be right back. Cover a bunch of news. Take your phone calls and more with Stefan Molyneux. I'm Alex Jones. Infowars.com. Stefan Molyneux is super popular. He's been popular for years, but I love to see his meteoric rise. Uh, now, he's more popular with, with, with young people, I'd say 30 and up. A lot of the folks we have on are actually very popular with teenagers. Um, that's my next question for him before we get into a bunch of other issues. I'm seeing it at schools, but with Hispanic children, black children, uh, white children, uh, mixed children. A lot of kids are just humans. You know, we're all just humans. That, that people like Paul Watson, people like uh, Crowder, people like, uh, I mean, there's so many of them, uh, Mark Dice are just rock star popular with the boys and girls. It's not, it's not hip hop anymore. It's not rock and roll. It's not Katy Perry. It's not, they have rejected, it seems, but not just here across the country, a growing large minority of young people are completely breaking with things. And I think Trump is only one manifestation, but he is super popular with young people as well. Uh, I mean, I know you're popular with some, I'm more popular 30 and up. I guess I'm getting old, but can you speak to this phenomenon and do you agree with it? I think I do. And some of it has to do just with technological expertise. I mean, I'm pretty tech heavy. I'm sure at some point something's going to come along that I just won't be able to wrap my head around. But uh, they're So they're on the Internet. That's why they like us, because they've been introduced yeah. to the new medium. Well, there's that. And there's two other things I think that are important when it comes to the young. They have a great deal of skepticism about the powers that be. They also were a lot of them put into daycares rather than raised at home by their mothers. And that produces a lot of emotional strength, uh, uh, sorry, emotional trauma, emotional wobbliness, lack of, of, of a bonding with a sort of primary caregiver. And so I think the daycare generation is looking for leadership to become themselves. I don't think they got it as much. And of course, the other thing is that we have a fatherless society in vast sections of the Western world. So they're looking for father figures. Yeah, they're looking for somebody who's going to give them some wisdom that isn't just this kind of manipulative, cucky stuff you get from the mainstream media that's going to give them some strength, some spine, some manly value, some masculine assertiveness without aggression. Because there's two things that need to be tamed in order for society to function. Number one, male aggression needs to be turned into assertiveness. And number two, female vanity needs to be tamed as well, because otherwise there's just more and more consumption, which tends to eat the future at the expense, uh, eat the present at the expense of the future. So... 
I think younger people are looking for role models who aren't going to tell them what to do, but rather give them the power of critical thought themselves. And that transfer of critical thought is really, really important. I think that's where a lot of the internet superstars are getting their mojo from. You have hit the nail again precisely on the head stuff on Molyneux of freedomainradio.com. That's really it. They, they hate the guilting and the being told they're bad when they have a sense of innocence and the weirdness and the smarminess and the creepiness. And then they hear folks making fun of it, uh, challenging it. It's, it's also fun to make fun of social justice warriors. It's fun uh, to be politically incorrect. And so I think that's one reason we're winning is we're just more fun. Well, who wants to be bullied around because other people are hyper-emotional? Who wants to restrict themselves because other people can't handle the truth? You know, if you can't manage your own emotions, if you're this big, giant, raw wound to be poked by everybody's opinions in the world, if you can't handle and manage your own emotions, Alex, you always end up wanting to control other people, to suppress their free speech, because other people have this remote button called free speech that causes you to freak out and flip out and have, like, panic attacks and hysteria and need hugrams and puppies and beanbag chairs to, to sob into. So, of course, if you can't manage your own feelings, the next stop is fascism for other people's free speech because they're a threat to your entire emotional stability, which is kind of shaky to begin with. Exactly. If you look at really rich billionaires that aren't self-made, they're very OCD on average, very cloistered, very scared, very controlling. I mean, they're very uh, Howard Hughes on steroids. And then they create systems that are very suppressive, very controlling, and then they push systems on purpose that basically created a more extreme version of that where these folks are completely scared where now college graduates of a boss one time criticizes their work. They have to quit or go home or go talk to HR because you told me I didn't do a good job. They are literally creating basket cases. Well, and I, I think that's very, very important. And boys in America and throughout the West are sick and tired of being told that they're just broken girls, that all they need to do is sit quietly and sit nicely and do things and obey the teacher like the girls do. Boys are rambunctious, boys are aggressive, boys are hyper, boys like to learn hands-on, boys need their recess, and they're ferociously productive as a result. And so I think with the, particularly this, this, these drugs that are being pumped into young boys' brains in order to make them more manageable, people are getting a little angry about that when they grow up and find out how dangerous and how deadly these drugs are for a lot of people. Uh, they're looking at society and saying, wait a minute, I didn't conform, I didn't comply. Rather than fix the school system, rather than fix the family, rather than fix society, you drugged me? Are you kidding? Is this what you call a solution? I no longer respect the ethics that run this society, and that is great. We need Donald Trump to harness that into something positive, because what comes next probably won't be as positive if we don't find a way to harness it that way. Since we mentioned this, we have the 60 Minutes clip of him last night where they say you're people are doing horrible racist things and the worst thing they could do is show somebody from behind say white power i've seen these videos mentally ill people provocateurs i've experienced them sending people to my pro-gun rallies to do this before and learn that they were uh, basically democratic party operatives as you mentioned almost all the hate crimes the lacrosse team raping the black stripper the crosses being burned in modern times the swastikas on dorms it almost always turns out to be a false flag over and over and over again. But then the real shooting of police, attacking facilities, and we're not saying the police are perfect. The point is Soros is doing this for destabilization. He's still doubling down. So where is it going? And then they have the nerve uh, with Leslie Stahl uh, to sit there and not even 
you know, admit that their side's 10 times more violent, but instead project it that it's all part of this racist takeover and white lash. And, and I wish Trump would have been more aggressive, but I get now he's trying to be presidential. But, but I would just challenge him to still just cut people off because we all know who's financing the violence. Now, good, good news, his campaign ad came out today and said this is all staged. Stop it. But we need the president. They're trying to take away his, his phone. They're trying to say you can't tweet. They're, they're already trying to isolate him. You know, so 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 they control him. Here's the clip. You want to say anything to those I, people? I would say don't do it. That's terrible because I'm going to bring this country together. They're harassing Latinos, Muslims. I am so saddened to hear that. And I say stop it if it if it helps. I, I will say this and I'll say it right to the camera. Stop it. OK, so we're going to take that clip and we're going to loop. Mexicans with Mexican flags beating a white woman, and that was all funny and cute. We're going to show people saying, kill Trump, kill his wife. We're going to show people shooting police. We're going to show people burning and attacking police cars and knocking out windows and beating up old white men and just keep just keep having her say, your supporters are bad, your supporters are bad, and then, and then remix it with Trump going, stop it, stop it, stop it. That's a video that we're going to hammer them to hell with that I want produced today with my amazing crew. We're going to, and, and again, folks, what's sad about this is the vast majority I'll just be patronizing, it's true, of Hispanics are super hardworking, have very libertarian, conservative family values, and don't like this crap. And they, they tell me, and it's been on the news, they're one of the most bullied groups by the local El Jefes that run around trying to intimidate everybody from the Democratic Party to go along with this whole race narrative when what they want is prosperity. In fact, I think Hispanics are very easily into the Western culture assimilated. The problem is blacks have been held in a plantation system for so long on the Democratic Party plantation that... Those that do break away are wildly successful. They have all the attributes of success, but it's so hard for them ever to get out because their system doesn't let them get out. Stefan, can you comment on that? Well, first of all, we have to remember that just about everything the mainstream media says, particularly about Trump, but in general, is a manipulative falsehood. They're not interested in informing you. They're interested in controlling you and manipulating you. And anybody who, particularly after the election, we got to see very, very clearly the degree of hysterical pro-Democrat fantasy land they were attempting to matrix onto the population as a whole. Believe nothing. Believe nothing that they say. And if they are saying anything, understand that there's a complete false equivalency. The person to talk to about violence in the name of the election is Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Those are the people to talk to because the riots are being put out by the Democrat supporters. There's no point talking to Trump about this violence if they're not talking to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama saying, hey, can't you guys throw a bit of cold water on this uh, increasing infernos engulfing certain areas of America? Then they have no credibility whatsoever. All they're trying to do, as usual, is not make an argument, not analyze facts, not bring information or reason to the debate. They're saying, well, there are people we've heard about who may be associated with you who are bad people. Will you repudiate? And it's just a way of association by smear by association. It's complete nonsense. Now, listen, you and I have to handle the toxic material known as the mainstream media because that's kind of our job. But other people, turn it off. Turn it off. Go find people who aren't going to lie to you for a living. Well said. Uh, Stefan Molyneux, if you talk to Donald Trump for five minutes, uh, and he's, he's amazingly even smarter you know, when you're actually talking to him and he's not on television or you know on the radio, what would you say to Donald Trump? It's a great question. Um, I would uh, tell him that uh, everything that got him elected is what is expected. Keep the faith. I mean, people handed him a huge trust. 
This is not a regular old election. Uh, this is an election that was winner-take-all for the next generation and winner-take-all for what kind of civilization or if we're going to have a civilization in the future. People have handed him an enormous amount of trust. They put in an outsider. They put in somebody with no particular political experience, and they have handed to him the sacred flame of Western civilization. And uh, he needs to be resolute in what he promised. Uh, he needs to bypass the mainstream media and talk directly to the people because everything that's happening – the violent reaction to all of this election is because people have got a distorted view of uh, Donald Trump and what he stands for. Basically, they think he's Voldemort. I mean, <laughs> he should have no nose and you shouldn't say his name. So bypass the mainstream media, talk directly to the people, listen carefully to uh, the demographics, listen carefully to the values, uh, make sure that you do everything you can to maintain the people who are going to maintain Western civilization as a whole. And so if he does all of that, and if he if he keeps in contact with the people and keeps faith with the people who gave him this awesome amount of trust, he can't do anything but succeed. And if he is able to get the two to three million uh, criminal, felon, felonious illegal uh, immigrants uh, out of America, that is going to be hugely wonderful for all of the people who came to America legally because they came to America to get away from these kinds of gangs and thugs and drug, drug lords and so on. They don't want them following in. So Focus on what is great for the American public. Uh, focus on getting jobs back and growing the economy, and everything else will work out by itself. And he'll be the greatest president in history. If he Sorry. even halfway delivers, he will be the greatest president in history. We'll have the biggest boom time, a huge peace time. It will be just, just unbelievable. If he sells out to these little creatures, his name will be absolutely synonymous with treason. And I don't believe for a moment that he will. I think that he's going to need a little bit of course correction, just as we all do. Nobody's perfect. I think he's going to need a little bit of feedback and course correction as he moves forward. But Stay I there, think stay there. I agree. And, and also, we got to give him real support up front because they want to say, your base is abandoned. You see, they're all fickle. Work with us. We do not need to like be mean to our girlfriend on the first date and lose her to the thug. We got to, we got to, you know, keep this thing going and, uh, you know. Get the full ceremony here and, you know, test drive the whole operation first. We'll be right back with Stefan Molyneux. The globalists are the ones setting up a dictatorship. Trump wants to create sovereignty to the larger global fascist threat. Hillary was launching all these wars. All the top real liberals, from everybody from Cy Hirsch to Julian Assange to Bev Harris to the Russians to all the top Russian experts in the U.S. said, Trump is detente. What is this new crazy McCarthyism? And but, but I'm reading this. It's like Alex doesn't seem bad, but he doesn't know the danger. Can someone warn him? I mean, they're really uh, and, and the nuclear war, Stefan. That was the earlier thing when all the experts say Trump's the one for peace. But the thing is, they seem to actually believe their hysteria. Well, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can imagine, and this sounds uh, pretty dark, but I'll I'll just put it out there for people to sort of mull over and, and chew on their mental molars. But um, what I would say is that um, liberals, when they start wars, um, do they join the military very much? No. It tends to be conservatives who join the military. And part of me wonders if deep down in that soulless cavity where their human nature used to be, they don't like starting these wars because it gets a lot of people who might vote Republican killed. I mean, that's a pretty dark thought. But I'd say one of the things that I can sort of understand, because they claim to be so anti-war, and yet they keep starting all these wars and then losing the ones badly that were started previously. How, you probably got to go to do five more minutes. That'd be great because I want to ask you in the two minutes before we go to break. And then after that, what else is on your big board? What else you're focused on right now? 
Well, um, I think one of the most important things that I think could, could happen in America, needs to happen in America, is to expand school choice uh, among, um, among parents. This, to me, is something that inner city uh, people are crying out for, begging for. And if we can get school choice, if we can get a voucher system, if we can get some way that parents have a say in how their children are educated, we can begin to push back this endless termite infestation. Isn't that real integration is to take the smart kids, no matter what color they are, and let them have a choice and get out of a bad situation? Well, Anyone who can't be fired is going to do a bad job. This is why those of us on the cutting edge of media are great at what we do and why we get more and more listeners and more and more impact. Because people can fire us all the time. I mean, people can just not tune into my show or your show. So we're constantly on the edge of not having a job. So we constantly have to keep innovating and doing better and finding better ways to communicate. Make the teachers be in the same system. With. Yeah, we would got to get education into the same system. And when the uh, when uh, when the Western society, when the church lost its grip, like the sort of fundamentalist religiosity lost its grip on education and it went more towards the free market, Western society flourished when it then was taken over by the state. Well, people bond with who raised come them. back the in 70 seconds. Do, do, do more five more minutes on that. And then we've got um, one of our other guests joining us. This is important. Infowars.com, folks. They want to censor that site. Spread it. Infowars.com. Stefan Molyneux is our guest. Freedomainradio.com. And Stefan Molyneux. Uh, Stefan's great at history. I mean, I myself have read a lot of mainline history books. That's why when you, even mainline history books, when you turn on the news and hear America invented slavery and Europe invented slavery and it's the heart of evil worldwide, you're like, actually, uh, you could say China innovated. Uh, you know, the Greeks innovated. Uh, the Egyptians innovated. You could say the Chinese innovated massively, so did the Japanese, but that really didn't come over here. They innovated over there, we innovated over here. I mean, the West is where we said, let's treat women good, let's have voting, let's not have slaves. And there were fights for thousands of years over it, but, I mean, here we are today hearing we're the bad guys. And Stefan, you were getting into education and ways to turn this around. I think we're starting to turn the tide, but I think the enemy's going to double down. How do you think they'll double down? Because they seem to be, as you said, digging in instead of realizing that, uh, you know, that they can't control everything. Well, when you're not good at debating, when you're not good at thinking, when you're not good at arguing, you tend to turn towards aggression of one kind or another. It may be outward aggression, like you're just going to throw things at people like eggs or bricks or water bottles. It may be uh, more, or you may set fire to things. It may be more passive aggression, like uh, strikes or blocking streets or whatever. These are not arguments. So this is a huge impediment to the forward thrust of a civilized society where we all need to put our best thoughts into the giant arena of ideas and let them tussle out and see which the best ones are. We need to get more choice into the uh, hands of parents when it comes to education because children are being crippled by the current education system. And that's not hyperbole. Mentally, they are being hobbled. They're being crippled. It's like foot binding or like when you, you hobble your slaves. And we can see this outcome. Young people can't think. They can't reason. They chant slogans. They, they run around topless. They hit people with eggs. They can't think. And we can't have a society. I've noticed none of them listen. at any rally will ever talk to us. There's always an old communist running them saying, shh, don't talk, who gives them the chance? This is, where are their parents? How is some old dirty communist running all these fools? Well, I don't know where the parents are, but I can tell you that the teachers 
aren't going to give them the facts about the state. Teachers are now completely dependent on the security and protection and monopoly provided to them by the state. There's no choice. We wouldn't run our food system in a communist way. We wouldn't run our transportation systems in a communist way. We wouldn't run our water supplies in a communist way. Why on earth are we taking the most important thing, which is the education of youth, and turning it over to an outright Marxist system that we inherited from the Prussians that was entirely designed to produce placid government workers, factory workers, and soldiers. This is the exact opposite. And by the way, the Prussians admitted that they wanted to produce slaves that, that, that enjoyed their servitude. Yes, and as long as the government controls the education system, it's going to be very, very hard to control the government because we're like ducklings. We bond with whoever raises us. And if, if we're raised by the state and minions of the state, we're going to have a loyalty to the state. I don't think it's an accident that one generation after governments took over education, we got World War One. Well, exactly. For those who don't know about the different Prussian states and things, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, Hitler fully adopted the Prussian model. That was one state that basically invented modern psychology, uh, you know, the Hessians, all of it for mercenaries that were slaves but were proud of it because they're fancy uniforms. And World War II and Hitler was literally possible and Germans following orders. Germans that weren't like that before because of Prussian mind control. Well, and... We know how hungry people are for facts, reason, and, and evidence, right? I mean, my show has been downloaded and viewed a quarter of a billion times. And what I say, similar to what you say, doesn't exactly make people's life easier in the short run because it sometimes puts them in conflicts with the delusions and fantasies of those around them. So even though what we talk about is difficult for people, there's such a giant hunger and thirst for knowledge. And the same occurs for children. Wouldn't it be wonderful if children were as excited to go to school as they are to tune into our shows? What a wonderful world we could have. But we need to bring school choice to the masses, to the parents, in order to weed out the bad teachers, promote the good teachers, and save the world. I agree. Uh, in closing, we've got 20 seconds. They're coming after the web, but now that Trump's in, that's going to block it big time. Well, this is one of the reasons that people were a little surprised. <laughs> why, why do you seem to be so pro Trump? Well, because I like having a job. I love doing what I'm doing. I love talking to the world. And all of that was going to be in threat. I'm in Canada, but a lot of my friends who I work with, like yourself and others, are in the United States. I wanted to watch their back as well. So we wanted to continue this conversation with mankind, which was only possible with Trump in power. That's right. We're all in this together. And, and World War III was looming. I mean, that's, that's a fact. We're not just saying that. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. A great pleasure.